Welcome to Droughtcast. This is the podcast that keeps you informed on a drought situation across England and Wales. We look at what drought means for people and the environment. This is brought to you by CCW, the Consumer Council for Water. My name's Mike Keel. It's the 31st of July 2023. The headlines today on Droughtcast. All of Wales remains in prolonged dry weather status. The recent rain has brought most rivers in Wales to normal or above normal flows. Groundwater is slower to recover, but there are still concerns over groundwater levels in some parts of Wales. In England, the Environment Agency has three areas classified as in drought. Devon, Cornwall and North Norfolk continue to be given in drought status. Currently, two water companies in England have hosepipe ban restrictions in place and there are no restrictions in Wales. The areas are Cornwall and parts of Devon in South West Waters region, plus South East Waters customers in Kent and Sussex. If you're served by either of those companies and you want to know if you're affected, then go to the postcode checkers that are available on their website. We've put the links to these in Droughtcast's show notes. Coming up in just a few seconds, we'll be joined by the Met Office, who will be talking about their latest State of the UK Climate Report. We'll then be hearing about the current impacts of drought on the environment from Natural England's Jane Wilson. And our final guest today is Tanya Sefton, who will be bringing us all the latest from South East Water. And they are one of the companies who currently have a hosepipe ban in place. So stay listening to Droughtcast. Last year saw tens of millions of people across England and Wales subject to hosepipe bans. These restrictions were driven by a combination of extreme temperatures and long dry periods. The Met Office has just published its State of the UK Climate Report for 2022, which puts last year's weather into context. And I'm really pleased to be joined by Mike Kendon from the Met Office's National Climate Information Centre, who is the lead author of the new report. Hi, Mike. Hello. Nice to see you. Uh, Thanks for joining Droughtcast. So help us make sense of last year's weather. Well, we really did have an extraordinary uh, year of weather last year, 2022. Looking at the year overall, it was the warmest year on record for the UK in records back to 1884. And we have an even longer term uh, climate record, Central England temperature, which goes back to 1659. So that's more than 350 years. And it was the warmest year on record uh, in that series as well. Um, the, the standout event of the year was um, the unprecedented heat wave in July, uh, where we hit 40 degrees in the UK for the first time, really marking a moment of UK uh, climate history. And, uh, you know, many, many weather station weather records were broken uh, widely across much of the UK, um, some by very, very large margins, three or four degrees in some places. So a quite extraordinary event. We also had a prolonged dry period uh, from January to August, uh, particularly focused across eastern and uh, southern England uh, with a lack of rain, most notably in January Uh, in April, uh, July and August, with actually February the only wetter than average month through that eight-month period, and little or no rain at all really through the whole of July across southern England. So um, a a really notable year weather-wise. When you look at last year, is this just natural variability that wobbles around, or is this driven by, by, by climate change? Are you able to unpack that? 
Yeah, it's a great it's a great question to 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 ask because I think a lot of people do find it difficult to relate to the fact our climate is changing because we have this variability in our weather in the UK. You know, we are a small island. Um, you know, with the our weather dominated by the Atlantic to the west, and and the position of the jet stream and so on. And so our, we have this very large variability that we can get on a day to day, month to month, year to year basis. Um, what we ha also have our climate is changing, our climate is getting warmer. So we have these two things being played out together. Um, how does that manifest itself? What it means is that through time, we tend to see a pattern in our climate records. So for example, we're seeing more high temperature extremes and we are seeing fewer lower temperature extremes. How clear are we to see these types of extremes again? very clear that our climate is changing based on the observations. I mean, you know, we've got this temperature series that goes all the way back to 1884. Um, the 10 warmest years in that series have all occurred uh, this century. And in fact, the same is true in the Central England temperature series uh, going all the way back to 1659. I think what's really interesting is the shift in our baseline in our climate, what we regard as normal. So 2022, currently the warmest year on record, uh, if we follow a, a medium emission scenario in terms of how much more we emit in the way of greenhouse gases, by 2060, um, it's likely to be a fairly average year for the UK. And by 2100, um, it will be considered a cool year. So nine out of 10 years will be warmer. And some years may be very, very much warmer, actually. And I think I'll just particularly flag the speed of the change. We're talking about a two degree increase uh, over uh, the next 80 years, which compares when we look at this 350 year Central England temperature series fluctuations within that series over that, in the long term trend over that period of time have generally been within about a half a degree. So we are really moving our climate um, outside the envelope uh, of what we are familiar with based on long-term uh, observations. And of course, it, what's interesting about the state of UK climate report is the extremes are changing faster than the average temperature. And that is really of concern because of course, it's the extremes of temperature that cause the greatest impacts. You know, we put out a red warning for the extreme heat uh, last, last July and uh, things like this can cause um, you know, thousands of excess deaths amongst elderly and vulnerable people and, uh, you know, wildfires, things like that and so on. Mike, I think your report is super helpful and sends a real signal that we need to adapt and adapt quickly to the, to the changes that we're seeing in our climate. Mike Kendon from the Met Office, thank you so much for joining Droughtcast. If you have any questions on drought, we will love to help you find the answers. And this can be anything from what hose pipe bans mean for you in your lives to the impact of drought on farmers, or how does climate change influence drought? Email your questions to podcast at ccwater.org.uk and we will answer them in future editions of Droughtcast. In the last episode of Droughtcast, we heard from Natural Resources Wales on how the dry weather is affecting the natural environment in Wales. This time, we want to get the equivalent picture from England. So it's great to welcome Jane Wilson, who is Senior Advisor for Drought Resilience and Natural England. Hi, Jane. Welcome to Droughtcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So we've just heard from the Met Office uh, about last year's weather. What, what impacts did we see 
from an environmental point of view? From coming from Natural England, and uh, Natural England, for anyone who doesn't know, the government advisor for natural for the natural environment in England. Um, last year's drought was really significant because of the breadth across the country. And I think it's fair to say that every uh, ecosystem was impacted by the hot weather, hot, dry weather of last summer, even those areas that did get some rain. Um, so it's hard, it's, it would be easy to say what wasn't impacted by last year. But I think the thing I wanted to really mention was it's not just rivers and lakes. It's it's wetlands, ditches, peat bogs, even grasslands were impacted by last year's drought. And we saw impacts of that on all manner of animals and plants from tree planting, uh, from trees, from mammals, water voles and beavers were impacted. And of course, fish, which we see a lot of pictures of fish kill during drought. But it's it's not just the fish. It's the whole ecosystem of the river, the insects uh, and invertebrates that live in that river. And then also one of the biggest impacts that we saw, it, particularly in East Anglia, was impact on our on our coastal sites and, and death of heather plants. And they're so fundamental to the ecosystem that, that we're seeing this year the impact on butterfly numbers in that area because of the loss of the broods at the back end of last summer. Yeah, I was wanting to come on to that because obviously we've seen less harsh conditions in terms of in terms of the, the weather. Um, how long does it take for the, uh, the environment to recover and what legacy issues are you seeing? It's interesting to see in less harsh weather because it depends where you are. We had the hot, dry summer last year across the majority of England, but not in the northwest. And yet this year we have seen very long, prolonged, hot, hot uh, dry weather in the northwest. So it's hard to say to answer your question. It's hard to say when we see recovery, because what we're seeing with the frequency of drought and the changes is it totally depends on that specific area, how much rainfall they got over winter and what species were impacted by the drought. So I'm not being evasive. It's I'm trying to get the message across that it's a wide ranging impact and there's no simple, easy answer uh, to to when things get better. Things are getting better because we've had the rainfall this summer, which is which is which is great. Also, with the with the ecosystems, it takes it sometimes can take quite a while to really understand how things have been damaged and how things are recovering. But a, a recent document I read going back to Heather this morning was saying that there's in this research actually showing that the more frequent drought events that there are, the less likely the seeds of that Heather are likely to sprout, the less Heather plants will have. And then there's a knock on consequence to that. There's a whole chain reaction across ecosystems. Except Exactly. And, and I, what I also wanted to stress today is that, of course, that's vital for the ecosystems themselves. But as human beings, we're part of those ecosystems. We enjoy being in those places. We rely on the habitats that that vegetation um, underpins. Um, and ultimately, even if you're not interested in nature, some of these sites that are impacted by drought, peat bogs, as an example, uh, it impacts the availability of water in the longer term. For our, for our use as well as the environment. Oh, but that's a really good point because everything is connected. F finally, do you think we have to accept that the baseline is changing then? So I asked you how long does it take to recover, but what does recovery mean now in the context of a changing climate? Certainly there is no, there is no doubt that the baseline is changing. We are seeing the temperatures that we've never seen before. So I think it's almost becoming a cliche of uncharted territory, 
but we are there. I think the key thing I also really wanted to make the point of today, what we know is the nearer to natural state an ecosystem is, the more resilient to drought it is. So the wetter the peat bogs are allowed to be, the more resilient to drought they are. The more naturalised the river is, the more resilient to drought it is, the wigglier it is. And that's something that's so important. We can do something about this. That's a really strong point. Don't don't fight nature, but go with it. Jane, thank you so much for joining us. That was that was really, really insightful stuff. While the focus of Droughtcast is drought, there are loads of good reasons to save water all year round, whether you've got a drought or not. If you want any tips or encouragement to save water, then our sister podcast, Waterfall, is the one for you. Each week, expert guests share their insights on why we should value water and is really, really jam-packed full of practical advice on how to save water. And we have an extensive back catalogue of fascinating episodes. You can find Waterfall on most podcast players. There are currently two companies with hose pipe bands in place for some of their customers. And those companies are Southwest Water and Southeast Water. There's a nice bit of symmetry there. Now, don't forget to check the links below in the show notes to see if those bands affect you. So it's great to welcome Tanya Sefton, who's Customer Service Director of Southeast Water to Droughtcast. So there's a temporary use ban or hosepipe ban, as they're more commonly known, in place in, in your company's area for your customers in Kent and Sussex. Um, but there's no underpinning concern about raw water resources. So, so what's that about? Because that can be quite confusing to customers. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we we don't we have we have temporary use restrictions in place or host pipe bans as they're more commonly known um, because of demand driven issues. So last year, and as you say, customers really understand when there's a drought and there's dry weather and we don't, haven't had rain. The the raw water reservoirs are empty. They're really visible. Um, they understand uh, the implementation of a host pipe restriction. In this scenario this year, what we've seen is our raw water supplies are in a really good place. We've had lots of rain over the winter. Um, but what we're seeing as a result of the hot weather we, we had at the beginning of June is this persistent high level of demand that's outstripping the speed at which we can treat it and pump it and get it out into the networks. And what that's doing is it's dropping the storage of treated water. The issue is the capacity of treated water in the, in the system. So I've used the analogy before of um, during COVID, toilet rolls. Toilet rolls went off the shelves, um, <laughs> and there was enough toilet rolls. It's just that they couldn't get them to the factories for, from the factories to the shops fast enough. Exactly, um, yeah, and that's exactly how internally we talk to the teams we, when we're sort of briefing them about the implementation of the host pipe restrictions. You know, we just can't stock the shelves quick enough. I think it's a helpful way to unpack it for for just your average person to understand it. So, how do you how do the people you serve feel about this hosepipe ban being in place? Um, so, we did a piece of research on the um, restrictions that we implemented last year, and we've had the results in now. And the headlines are showing um, around two thirds of customers advocate the use of hosepipe uh, restrictions. You know, they they understand the need for them. They understand the link to the environment that. Water is a finite resource, so if we're using more, it means there's less in the environment. And about a third of the customers we surveyed said they had reacted to the hose pipe restriction, not only not using their hose pipe, but actually it gave them a better perspective of their water usage and how they use water. So that's really, you know, that's showing us that they are effective um, and they are a tool in managing demand uh, for water, 
um, and actually the majority of customers do support them. What, so what are you doing uh, as a company to help ensure there's enough water in terms of new resources or your infrastructure or helping customers? Yes, yeah, so we've got a mixture um, of things that we're doing in our plan. Um, so when we talk to customers about usage and demand, you know, their number one kind of priority is leakage. So, you know, I'll start with what we're doing on leakage. Um, we are we've increased our level of resource on find and fix of leaks so that we can get to them quicker. So they're running for shorter periods of time. We are working on. Our, obviously, our mains replacement program uh, that we, you know, is a, a kind of an every year uh, program that we run. And we're also looking at technology and, and metering to enable us to identify the leaks quicker. Um, we've got lots in our plan and, and rolled some of it out already around supporting customers to understand their usage. So we've got an online portal that customers can see how their usage compares to similar households. Um, we've launched about six months ago a portal called Aquasmart for Key Stage 1 school children where we're running school campaigns uh, and competitions and we've got our regular kind of device program so save water, save money, customers can go on, get free devices um, for their supply which might be related to shower taps, uh, you know, shower heads, taps, flow, res flow restrictions devices like water butts where we think particularly in the summer um, and part of that the our customer resilient program it's linked to customers being able to be more resilient themselves in advance of summer where they you know install a water butt so that in the summer you're not drawing on the network supply um, so there's lots going on we're looking at our uh, treated water capacity obviously on the back of the high demand so we're working on increasing capacity where we can in the network so final question for me is, uh, and I'm sure a question that, that many of your customers will be asking is, is there an end in sight? Um, so at the moment, we are monitoring it uh, on a weekly basis. So we're looking at a mixture of the weather forecast, demand levels, storage levels. Um, and we, at the moment, we haven't set a date for lifting restrictions because it is a combination of all of those. I didn't think you'd be pinned down on a, on a date. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I've got to try. Tanya, thank you so much for coming into Droughtcast. And that's all for this edition of Droughtcast. Thanks to all our guests who contributed to a jam-packed show. We'll be back in just over two weeks' time with all the latest drought news. Don't forget to subscribe to Droughtcast so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.